0: Hello and welcome to your San Diego News Fix. I'm Abby Hamblin filling in for Christy Totten. Today we'll talk about the 2021 Padres season which begins with opening day on Thursday, April 1st. Then our guest on Name Drop San Diego this week is Matt de la Pena, a children's book author from National City who has a powerful perspective on life. But first, the news. San Diego County's median home price reached $672,750 in February, an all-time high that exceeded the previous record by nearly $23,000. Experts say that record low mortgages and the continuing lack of housing supply are to thank for these high prices. Home prices in San Diego County have increased 14.6% year over year. Code compliance inspectors on the Metropolitan Transit System are now wearing new uniforms that are a mix of highlighter yellow and dark blue. The change was made as part of an effort to increase public trust and make the unarmed inspectors look less like police officers. MTS officials say they hope this will help the staff be more easily identified so riders can ask for assistance when they need to. There are 64 code compliance inspectors working for the agency. They began wearing the uniforms last week. As part of an ongoing lawsuit against the city of San Diego and San Diego Gas and Electric, an amendment lawsuit has been filed in San Diego Superior Court that seeks to void Mayor Todd Gloria's invitation for companies to bid for the city's expiring electric and gas franchise agreements. The lawsuit from Geary and Severson Law Firm alleges the invitation violates the city charter and tilts the process in favor of SDG&E, the current franchise holder. The City Charter says a franchise agreement can only be approved by the City Council after free and open competition. A spokesperson for City Attorney Mara Elliott says her office will review the complaint and respond to the courts. 2021 San Diego Padres season kicks off on April 1st with huge expectations on the team and fans very much looking forward to opening day. The Padres will play the Arizona Diamondbacks at 1:15 on opening day and then continue a four-game series with them on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Under county and statewide pandemic restrictions, Petco Park can host fans at 20% of its normal capacity, which amounts to about 8,400 people. Our San Diego Union-Tribune sports staff will definitely be at the game, and joining us today, we have their leader, Jay Posner. Jay is the sports editor of the Union-Tribune and co-host of the Hot Lava podcast. Jay, thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me, Abby.
0: We're just a few days away from opening day, as I said, and the sports section had a very extensive and really uh, beautifully illustrated Padres season preview in the newspaper uh, and online over the weekend, what were some of the angles that your uh, staff were looking at in the preview?
1: Well, this was an interesting preview for us because um I think pretty much ever since I've been around uh as a sports editor or or even as an assistant there there have been almost no expectations for the Padres uh in ter- in terms of <laughs> of really uh you know competing for much. Um there were maybe years where you kind of hoped it would happen or anything, but and And then, last year, when there were expectations, uh, we had to um, we had to do away with the preview because of Covid, and the season got delayed, and then we didn't end up doing it. So this was really the first chance where we were able to do something where almost everyone was writing about uh, something positive and how and how things were were going were going well and and there were expectations. Uh, and so we had the three columnists write. Uh, Bryce Miller uh, wrote about basically how there were still reasons for concern, but in general, it was probably a good time to think about celebrating. Uh, Tom Krasovic wrote a lot about the uh, rivalry between the Padres and the Dodgers, which has really picked up now, and especially going back to last year's playoffs. And then Nick Canepa wrote about Peter Seidler, uh, who took over in the offseason as the Padres uh, chairman and top executive, and authorized uh, some of the high spending that they did in the off season, and um, there were lots of other things in there as well. But it was, uh, like I said, it was kind of different and 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 fun to do something where you feel like this is a season where I think fans are going to be excited, and and we're excited to bring whatever happens to them.
0: Yeah, uh, in one of the columns I read uh, the mention of Will Venable. The days when Will Venable <laughs> was the uh, the guy on the posters around Petco Park, and that really took me back.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Kevin Acy wrote. I think he mentioned Will Venable and Nick Hundley. Yeah, uh, and said, you know, nothing against those guys. They're both great guys, and and they were good, solid players, but uh, not the kind of players that you would that you would normally uh, sort of build a team around. They're not Manny Machado and and Fernando Tatis and Blake Snell and you Darvish and people, you know, Denelson Nelson Lamette, people like that, that are, that are, you know, sort of franchise players. And the Padres have several of them now where there were many years where they didn't have any.
0: Right. So you mentioned some of those players that are um, new and exciting and the payroll is extremely high. The expectations are extremely high. Um, I know there's an endless list here, but what are some of the main storylines that um, your team and you will be watching for this season?
1: I think, you know, the one thing you always have to watch out for are injuries. Um, the Padres have had a couple already. Uh, Austin Nola, their catcher, uh, has a has had a broken finger, I believe, since March the 12th. Uh, he won't be ready opening day. And Trent Grisham, their center fielder, uh, uh, had a hamstring injury right around that same time. Those two are going to start the year on the injured list. So that's, you know, that's two of your eight regular everyday players. and and it doesn't sound like a lot but when you you have to fill in now with those two guys and that takes your you know you now your bench is a little bit thinner so obviously injuries to Nelson Lemet um left the playoffs wasn't able to pitch in the playoffs last year because of an elbow injury and he had treatment in the offseason he did not have surgery and they've sort of slow played him during spring training um he pitched today, in fact, uh, I think an inning and a third over in, this, in their last spring training game. Uh, he's not going to be ready for probably about three weeks of the season. So that's one big storyline, I think. Um, Fernando Tatis, uh, obviously, is another one. I mean, here's a guy who signed the longest contract in Major League history, uh, 14 years, the third richest contract, $340 million. And then he got hurt in spring training and it was like, Oh, you know what's going on here. And, and he's had a, a little bit of an injury history as well. So there's, uh, but he's the kind of player that you, you, you always have to watch because you never know what's going to happen. I, I, I've always said to people, I like to judge, do a lot of judging of players based on if you're at a game or you're watching a game, are you going to leave your seat knowing that this guy is coming up to the plate? And the Padres, too often in the past, these past few years, have not had too many players like that. Um, but now they have a lot of them, and primarily Tatis and Manny Machado. When those guys are coming up, you don't want to miss it. And the the thing is, both of them are so good defensively that you really don't want to miss them in the field
2: so either.
1: True. So one one good thing about the um, I hate to say it's a good thing, but one so I won't say that. But one thing to come out of The COVID situation for people who are lucky enough to go to the games is that a lot of the concession stand uh, activity this year will be done. You can order at your seat. And so you don't have to leave your seat and you don't have to miss anything. You don't have to miss an inning and a half while standing in line for, you know, for a a cold hot dog or anything like that. Uh, So I think those are a couple of the things, you know, we're obviously going to be watching the Dodgers as well. Uh, The Padres' closest rival. To see what happens with uh, with them, and um, uh, you know, wh- kind of whatever else, uh, whatever else comes up, and and I'm sure there's going to be stretches during the year. I mean, look, it's baseball; it's a six month season. It's 162 games. Teams don't go 162 and 0. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some moments where they lose four in a row or six out of eight or that sort of thing. And so we'll, you know, keep an eye on that and try to bring context and perspective uh, to uh, to all of it.
0: Uh, you did mention the Dodgers, which I wanted to bring up because uh, the LA Times columnist, Bill Plaschke, wrote that this year's Dodgers will not only be the best in baseball, but in the history of baseball. <sighs> Union Tribune columnist Tom Krasovic looked at the matchup in one of his columns. What was his view, and what do you make of this whole, uh, I mean, you don't have to address Plaschke, but this just rivalry.
1: <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think the You can the take him on if you want. want. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I, look, I've known Bill for a long time, and and Bill loves to... Sort of make uh, make I don't want to call them outlandish statements, but make sort of bold statements.
0: Definitely uh, attention-getting,
1: right? And then see what uh, you know, and then see what happens um, with that. But I I think the, the the situation with the Dodgers is you know they've won this division eight straight years. I mean they are they they, they are really good, they are really good, and and they were somewhat unlucky not to have won the World Series before last year. So. You know, the Padres could have a really good season. They could win, uh, let's say, 95 games even, something like that. I mean, I think there's some people in in, in Vegas who think they're going to win more than 95 games. Well, let's say they win 95 games. They could win 95 games and still finish 10 to 15 games behind the Dodgers. Uh, that's how good the Dodgers are. But what happens in the playoffs could be totally different. I mean, the Padres didn't really get to put up a fair fight last year because they had injuries – to their top two pitchers going into the playoffs. But if the Padres are, if both teams are healthy going into the playoffs, or maybe the Dodgers aren't healthy going in, maybe they have two pitchers that can't, that can't go. And, you know, the Padres get to play them in a five game series, you know, or or seven game series, anything can happen in that short, that short amount of time. I mean, you you watch baseball enough, you could play a five game series against the worst team in baseball and lose four out of five sometimes. So uh, I, I just think it's fun. I think Dodger fans now for the first time in a long time have to have to pay attention to the Padres. Uh, And and I think that's been something the Padres have always sort of wanted the attention of LA and the Dodgers. And I think we're going to see that this year. And I I think I should point out, we're going to do some collaboration with our, uh, with our Cal times cousins up in LA and, and we'll have their beat writer on one of our podcasts and we'll try to do uh, Annie Albrun to try to do some videos, uh, with Kevin and, and Jorge Castillo who covers the the Dodgers for them. So I, I think it's going to be, you know, we want to do as much as we can with the Padres and, and, and we bringing in the Dodgers to, to help out, to help with that is, is going to be part of it.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you, uh, going forward, what fans and readers can expect from the sports section? You obviously have the podcast uh, with Kevin Acey, Hot Lava Podcast, and then you just have like a great team under you. So what can people expect for you? And can you give a little background on how your team covers the Padres?
1: I think the the primary thing is for people, obviously, to, to subscribe and have access to all of our um, activity, I guess you'd call it, all of our coverage. Um, and that, that starts with with Kevin as the main beat writer and Jeff Sanders as the uh, second second beat writer. And you know they'll whenever news happens, they are either out in front of it most of the time or 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 certainly close behind and and will always have the latest news uh, posted on our website. You can follow any of us on Twitter um, or the SDUT Twitter account to get the latest. Uh, the latest news on, on that uh, Bryce Miller and Tom Krasovic writing columns uh, all the time on the team. Uh, and then Kevin and I do the podcast, the hot lava podcast. We do it normally twice a week. We, uh, our goal is to do it at the start of every series. So if the Padres are playing the Astros on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we'll do a podcast on Monday. And then if the next series starts on Thursday, uh you know against the pirates we'll come right back on thursday or we'll wait till friday if that's the case but um so our goal is to do a couple of week and then the other thing that kevin started last year was a uh the padres daily a newsletter which is really one of the best things that i, I think our entire organization does and, and and i give kevin uh full credit for uh, for that you sign up for it. It's on, on the website. It takes you know literally three seconds to type in your email address, uh, and and you can sign up for it. And then every morning at seven a.m. Uh, Pacific time, Kevin sends you the latest with what's going on. And a lot of it is is stuff that you know there wasn't room for in the paper, there wasn't time to get to, uh, as part of the regular coverage, even online. And he always brings something different. To the newsletter, but it's and it's also a place where you can get caught up on on stuff that you might have missed in addition to what's new. And uh, I really encourage people to uh, subscribe to that. It's been a big it's been a big hit, I think, with fans. And I I've heard from people uh, at at other publications and other media companies that that say have have complimented us on on what Kevin's done with the newsletter.
0: Now let's turn to Opinion. Christy and I host Name Drop San Diego, a weekly interview podcast featuring fascinating people in, around, and from San Diego. This week's guest is Matt De La Pena. He's an award-winning writer and San Diego State University professor who won the Newbery Medal for his children's book, The Last Stop on Market Street, in 2016. This year, he's teamed up with the same illustrator from that book on a new children's book called Milo Imagines the World. Matt De La Pena grew up right here in San Diego and played college basketball for University of the Pacific before returning to San Diego for an MFT from SDSU in creative writing. His list of published works includes children's books, young adult, and middle grade. Here's a clip from our interview with Matt De La Pena. You're putting the spotlight like on a lot of people who may not otherwise feel seen. Um, how are you choosing those topics, and and is there a moment in your life where you're like? you felt seen by a book you read as a young person.
2: I mean, the first book that comes to mind is The House on Mango Street. I remember I was a non-reader all through elementary school and even in middle school. I just didn't read books. And the way I thought about it, I was always a very mediocre student, you know, an average student. Um, And I thought, well, the people who read are the, the wealthy kids that have books in their house, you know, and they just have like a library like my daughter. Um, but not me, and I I always thought, I'd rather be out there doing something than reading about it. What I didn't realize is that there were books that would speak directly to my experience and directly to my heart, and um, the first time I experienced that was The House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros. I remember opening the book, it was part of the curriculum in middle grade, and I was just so blown away by how familiar everything felt. It almost felt like it wasn't a book, but it was like a story that was made for me and my cousins. Um, And the weird thing is she was actually writing about Chicago, but I was directly relating it to National City um, and Encinitas. So I think that that experience was so powerful for me that I started to see that books, there might be something going on with these books. And I became a reader because of that one book. Um, so when I set out to write a book, I remember as a kid thinking that it was rare that me or my cousins would ever be featured in a book that would be in libraries. So I thought, well, if you're ever going to read one of my books, you're gonna, you're going to read about my community, you're going to read about my city. And to this, to this day, I've only written two books, I think, out of 15 that didn't take place in Southern California. So all my books have always been set here, even when I was living in New York for 15 years. Um, And I'll give you one little anecdote. It's, I'll try to make it short. Um, When I was writing my first book, I was living in LA and I was living in Venice Beach. And I saw this one boy, um, he, he looked like he was at least part Mexican and he had his hood up, headphones on and he was holding a ball under his arm, waiting for the bus. And he was sitting on the back part, you know, of the seat, and his feet were on the the bench. And I noticed that all of these fancy cars were pulling up at this light, because in Venice, you know, very wealthy people roll through the tougher parts of the neighborhood. And nobody looked at him. It was like he was invisible. And I remember having this epiphany as an emerging writer. I thought, if you're ever going to read one of my books, you're going to look at him for three hundred pages because I feel like, his life is just as beautiful and interesting as your life. And I want to prove it. So I guess that's what I've been trying to do with my entire career is show moments of grace and dignity of kids growing up on the quote unquote wrong side of the tracks.
0: Name Drop San Diego can be found wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting San Diego Union Tribune.com slash Name Drop SD. I'm Abby Hamblin filling in for Christy Totten, and this has been your San Diego News Fix. Thanks for listening.